to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Hey, welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. I'm Drew Jordan. Man, so good uh, to be plugging through these episodes. The last few, the feedback that, that I've been getting personally is that people are really connecting with this stuff. We had some amazing guests and they keep on coming. Uh, even these last two episodes, incredible conversations coming up. Absolutely. And we're learning along the way. We by no means claim to be experts at comedy. So we're just here to learn from the people who are ahead of us and, and doing it professionally and hoping that everybody comes along with us for the ride to learn as well. So yeah. speaking of learning, let's get into callbacks. What did you learn from our last episode with Nori Davis? And Nori was so fun. What a, If you missed that episode, you got to go back and check it out. The, to, for me, the best part was just a reminder to be myself and not worry about what the audience, audience is wanting or thinking or whatever. Just get up there. And when it comes to writing comedy, there's a, a huge portion of it. It's just about you doing what you think is funny. And and maybe the the, the crowd will, that connects with that will find you eventually. But don't completely just be thinking about what's this crowd going to think is funny. What, what do you think is funny? Make it internal. Absolutely. Yeah. He talked a lot about joy and then bringing joy to the audience and, and really having that symbiotic connection. And uh, that, that was a, absolutely something I took away as well. The one thing that, that stuck with me was, was blow it up in your hometown, you know, start and run shows, which you and I are both doing. My show comes back tomorrow night. So hey, excited. Yeah. Yeah. And we're doing it in a unique way, right? Cause we're doing it live in person, socially distant, safe and responsible, but we're also adding in multi-camera uh, live streaming too. And we've had several people already go ahead and purchase that. So pressure's on, pressure's on not to screw that up. <laughs> I don't, well, hopefully it works. Hopefully I gotta go test it out tonight. But, but that was the thing he said, get it, you know, get the show, run the shows in your hometown, build your audience before, you know, moving to New York or LA, which are our, our guest today did. So if you want to go out and find that episode, go ahead. The best place to find all of our past episodes is breakingbits.com. You can get a, our show on Apple. You can get it on Google Play. You can get the video on YouTube, which is great because you can actually see the performances we look at. Uh, and that's where you go to do it, man. So let's uh, introduce our guest. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Ron G. began his stand-up career in Atlanta, Georgia, and was crowned first place winner of the 2005 Sierra Mist Late Night Laugh-Off. After moving to Los Angeles to further his career as a comedian and actor, he was a finalist on Bill Bellamy's hit television show, Who Got Jokes, and was also a finalist on NBC's Last Comic Standing. On the acting front, he landed the job as the national spokesperson for Checkers and Rally's Restaurants. Ron G. performs at clubs, colleges, churches, and corporate events across the country, entertaining people while staying true to his commitment to clean humor. Hey, we got Ron. <laughs> What's up, fellas? Hi, doing well, man. man. How y'all doing, man? Uh, we're good, man. We're ready to play. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, man. I missed all the great conversation y'all had before y'all brought me in the room. <laughs> no, no problem, man. We, what we do is we go back and we talk about some of our past episodes or our immediate past episode. Uh, yeah. We had Nori Davis on and it was terrific. I don't know if you know Nori's a New York yeah. comic. Yeah. 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 Well, good. Well, thanks for coming in. Are, where are you at? Are you in LA? I'm in LA, man. It is, man, dude, the outside looks like a hookah lounge because it's all smoke <laughs> and you can't see nothing, man. And I don't even live near the fires, but all the uh, mm. clouds came on this side of the hill. The hill. It's crazy. Oof. That's wild. That's wild. I got some friends over there, and you, I think I got some friends in in Boise who can even who even are dealing with that. It's it's taking over the whole region. It's crazy, man. We live in a weird town. Can we can we call this the end of gender reveal parties? Like it's just end of that, <laughs> the last one. It's the last one, man. <laughs> Going out in flames. I feel like balloons and cakes is too much. Like that that wasn't enough. Like I <laughs> set half the earth on fire just to let somebody know you're having a boy. It's crazy. It's definitely a boy, though, right? I mean, it had to be a boy. <laughs> Boys are that reckless. Also, too, if I ever have to get up while we're talking and answer the door, it's probably my neighbor. I got a new neighbor, and this dude is obsessed with the trash chute. Like for some reason, ever since he's been moved in, he's been moved in. He'll knock on my door while I'm, he only waits till I do an interview, and he'll knock on my door and be like, "Hey, can you keep the trash chute closed?" 
This old gentleman, he loved this trash thing. That's his day. I don't know what he is, bro. Every day, the last three days, he's knocked on my door. He was like, you know who been using the trash chute? Because it doesn't close all the way. And he'll just ask me, and he doesn't have any periods, just all commas with his conversation where you got to double this try to get out of it. It's crazy. So just give me all heads up if I need to go to the door. Got just it. Turn, just turn the camera so we can watch, because that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm just stuck at the door. I've been trying to find humor. My, we, I've got. I'm married with kids, and and recycling comes only every two yeah. weeks. And f- yeah, thanks, man. Five, five, six boxes a day are at my door from Amazon. You know, and and I'm just so frustrated. I don't have any place to put all this. And just in that frustration lives jokes, right? Or or in your mm-hmm. frustration with your neighbor. You know, how how do we make trash into funny? Is uh, is the challenge that we that's presented to us as comics? So. Man, it's, it's so weird. I honestly feel like you don't realize how loud your neighborhood is until you get on a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> like you never realize. Like I have one neighbor uh, who has sex every day at eleven a.m. through <laughs> one p.m. and it's so loud. Like it's not even like it's like a loud, like ridiculous. I put actually put a video up, and uh, while I was outside because I was trying to shoot videos, I couldn't shoot. They were still going at it. Mother neighbor was like, shut up and bite a pillow. Like it was so funny. <laughs> and then the other neighbor, the little boy, I think he hates his mom because he plays with toys on the balcony. He's like, Mom, clean your room. Ah! And you can hear him like screaming and playing with his toys. And then OG next door, he want me to uh hear Ted talk about the trash shoot every day. Like, man, life is crazy. <laughs> Well, it, you, so it we, sounds like you're shooting a sitcom in your apartment complex. Yeah. Right <laughs> oh, now. It is crazy, man. It is crazy. Uh, and I'm so waiting it, on the leaf blower to start going in a minute, too. So, <laughs> so maybe we'll get some distractions, but we'll work through it. Uh, what we, we, we did at your intro, but we'd kind of like to get behind the intro a bit and talk about some of your early breaks. Because comics really relate to that. You know, mm-hmm. everybody everybody out here is trying to get found and, 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 and level up. And, uh, and tell us about some of your early breaks, how you got in front of that and, and how, you, how you took advantage of that. Well, one thing that really changed my life was I did um, the, I think you mentioned the late night, late night laugh off. I forgot all about that, man. I was honestly, uh, that's when I lived in Atlanta and I feel like I was unemployed almost the whole time I lived in Atlanta because I used to be an accountant and I went through what you call the quarter life crisis where you go to school for something, but your heart tells you something different and you don't know what it is. And I was at this crossroads where I was actually uh, engaged at the time, ready to get married. And where I'm from, I thought that you're supposed to not supposed to, but you're supposed to take care of your family. But my comedy was a hustle. It wasn't a dream yet because I didn't I had me money. I didn't have we money. You know what I'm saying? To take care of me and somebody else. It was just enough for me as a single man who's living in poverty. Like, I didn't know I was broke. I was just happy doing what I love, making people laugh. And so what happened was I thought I had to put my dream down to take care of this uh, woman because I was engaged because I wasn't making enough money. And I was like, yo, I'm going to have to stop doing comedy. And my buddy was like, man, you can't put your dream down because you're going to be resentful. You should stay with it. And so the late night laugh off thing, I said, hey, God, if you want me to keep doing this thing, let me win this competition. Let me like let me know for sure that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was for the WB Network. That was like old school. And I won the thing, man. And so the prize was a trip to Vegas. So a young comic to be able to perform in Vegas was a big deal. And this is like one year in a game. And so I won and I told my fiance at the time that I won, but I was going to take my boy because my boy was like, yo, don't give your dream up. And he was like the one that encouraged me like, yo, you should try doing the competition or whatever. And I won. I took my boy and my girl was like, you're not going to take me. I was like, like, you're going to let me quit something I love doing. You know what I'm saying? And you want to go with me? Anyway, I went to Vegas and had a great time. It was a ball. <laughs> and that was literally one of like the changing points in my career. Like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. And my first time on stage, they told me to kill myself. And because uh, I did Apollo night, it was a bunch of dope dealers and strippers. And uh, the, uh, they booed me. Now the boo was okay, but when they told me to kill myself, that's when I was like, yo, this is crazy. But I felt something on the inside. And like, I'm like, I'm going to be good at this. I don't know how or whatever. But it just started something. And that was the beginning of me, like, really falling in love with the craft. And I was like, I'm going to figure this thing out. Because I used to watch other older comics who were, uh, they were had more uh, tenure in comedy, but they wasn't funnier than me on the inside. Like, I feel like as a comic, you always say to yourself, especially when you see people that, that are already on, like, I'm funnier than this person. Even if you know you're not, like, you're going to figure it out. So um, I remember 
just falling in love with comedy. And within eight months, man, I did a show at Fort Benning, Georgia, which is the, I think it's an army base in uh, Georgia. And I got my first standing ovation. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, this is it. This, this is what I'm supposed to do in my life. That's, that's pretty awesome. I think if I got booze the very first time, if someone told me to kill myself and booed <laughs> me the first time I went up, I <laughs> I don't know if I would have come, come back for round two. I hope I would. Luckily, right. I, had, I had a pretty good first experience, but that sounds that 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 at least you know that you're like you're up for the challenge, and that, I think that means something. Right, but watch three other people before you get booed. Then it's your turn. Like <laughs> yeah. scary, man. Like the boo, the places used to boo you so bad. I used to be scared at work on Friday for a show on Sunday. <laughs> like my stomach would drop. Like I'm getting off, and I know on Sunday I got to get on stage, and I'm gonna get booed by a bunch of strangers. Like, yeah, man, it was a crazy feeling. Here's here's what I liked. A very relatable story. Uh, one, a lot of comics can relate to being broke uh, and doing what they love. Uh, but but two, uh, you know, you you look to you turn to God and, and you turn to your friends and people that support you. And it sounds like you had to get out of a relationship with some of the people that are the naysayers, the people that don't support you. Uh, and so that that's a very interesting time. And then you finally uh, got your validation by winning that contest, which is a within a year, man. That's a that's a big deal. You you, you got to be a natural then, right, to, to be able to get on national television that quickly. I so with it, man. yeah, yeah, and that and that's I think that's why Drew and I are here. We're we're joke nerds. We're in love with the craft. Uh, we love to perform. And uh, and and what a this, that's a great behind the scenes because a lot of people see the success and the things you've been able to do and, and, and win and accomplishments, but it's nice to really uh, be vulnerable like you just were and share with us the, the real beginnings. Oh man, I love that term, joke nerds. Y'all should do a spinoff uh, show called <laughs> Joke Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and what we wanted to do today is, uh, is, is talk about clean comedy, right? And there's so much, uh, like you do churches that was in your, right? And that scares scares the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> the irony, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, but I mean, clean comedy, the, the clip we're going to look at later is great because it doesn't necessarily mean it's not about adult topics. It just yeah. means that it, it's clean. It can be to be, uh, you know, performed in all uh, for all ages, basically. Right. Uh, so I really want to get into that because that opens up way more doors. It opens up corporate, it opens up church, churches, and, and those are sometimes the higher paying gigs. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'd love to dive into that and learn more about that, uh, that goal of yours to be, or, or the, I guess the, you're going to stick to being a clean comic and, and how that's helped you, uh, grow as a comic. Right. Well, I start out being a dirty comedian, man. I we all did. Right. Yeah. Right. I didn't know any better. Cause I, grew, I, I came up in comedy clubs where I was like, uh, I came up under a bunch of comedy view comedians and that's, all I saw, you know, my parents, my family cursed, like everybody in my life cursed. I thought that was normal. And right around that time, I started going to this church in Atlanta. And my first time on stage, when I told you I got booed and they told me to kill myself, uh, I was cursing. I remember being, I was remember cursing. But then as I started finding my voice, there was an older comedian named Jerry Farber in Atlanta, man. He was 30 years in when I first got started. So I'm sure he's like almost, shoot, 40, 50 years in now. Um, but he was like, man, you're a good looking guy. Why do you curse so much? And I was like, I don't know. And at the same time, I feel like God was tugging at my heart. And I remember when I got on stage and I went back to the place that booed me and told me to kill myself. And I performed and I rocked it. I did. A, I finally like conquered the room that was like my thorn, the place that I was nervous at on Friday. And I had to go there on Sunday to get booed. I finally <laughs> conquered it. And I did like five minutes, which is good in that environment. And I didn't curse. And I felt like God said, if you, if a pastor did what you did, because I was still cursing off stage. And I feel like, I was like, well, if a pastor did what you did and didn't curse in the pulpit, but cursed off, off, you know, off stage or in real life, you would judge, you would judge them. So what make you any different? And it just punched me in my chest. And I realized I naturally stopped cursing around my parents and people I respected. And I just wanted to be a master of I didn't want anything to be, be mastered by anything. So I started working on being clean in my personal life. And then ever since then, like it changed my life. And this is the cool part. In that moment, I didn't know, because if you're used to doing something, and you stop doing something. You're like, man, this sucks. But when I booked my Nickelodeon show and I wound up being a dad on a TV show, <laughs> when, uh, my final round, I had uh, an audition with all the producers and stuff. And it was like, you're a clean comedian, huh? And I was like, yeah. And it was like, honestly, you're perfect for this job. And it reminded me like, oh, okay, this is the setup because in Nickelodeon, they're very funny about their brand. You know what I'm saying? So 
it's kind of hard to like be a dirty comedian and be a dad on Nickelodeon, which is probably possible. But they look at your social media and start taking stuff down and like, you know, they're very funny about their brand. But I felt like it was like full circle reminder of this is your calling. This is your lane in life. And if you honor what's in your heart and you stick with it, it'll make sense later on, even though in the moment it doesn't always make sense. Yeah, I, I I'm not as clean as you are, but I'm a pretty clean. My act is pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very, especially language wise, topical. It may be a little a little edgy, but language wise, I like keeping it pretty clean as well. But what one thing I struggle with, and I wonder how you handle it. What happens when you have that really funny, dirty joke that comes to you when you're in your head or you're writing? What do you do with that content? Because I can't imagine that you just like tuned out all the dirty jokes like right. it's going to come to you what do you do when it comes well i'll say this too man i just feel like as a professional comedian you should learn how to work all rooms particularly clean you should at least know how to work clean even if you're not a clean comedian because i don't knock anybody that curses like that's everybody else's lane or whatever and you also need those dynamics in order to be comedy comedy's everything comedy's dirty ugly nice it's it's everything you know what i'm saying so uh for me i have dark thoughts i think just as a comic like i battle a depression you know often like just me this quarantine not being able to go to work and all the things that br- bring me joy i'm a- unable to do so i feel like i'm grieving my old life i'm grieving the life of being able to perform three times a, a a day and work out these thoughts in my head so now i'm at home trying to create content to get the thoughts out of my head but for me i kind of know my filter and i know my lane and certain things you can't do once you find your voice to me comedy is not about being funny it's about discovery and the more you work on yourself the more you can articulate why you feel what you feel and it makes it easier to translate on stage so even if there's a dark thought like i made a comment about um battling depression so i had a joke where i went through a breakup and i was depressed on stage and i was like man you were like cry so hard you have tears under your neck you would <laughs> break up like and you have to do the wall slide you ever cry so hard you gotta you know slide down the wall and i'm like eh, eh. and i did the joke on stage and people were screaming and for me I was literally crying doing the joke because I was like, I had a fresh open heartbreak and I did the joke and it was so, and like, it's one of my biggest jokes. Or when I mentioned uh, the person who I I was engaged to, they didn't believe my dream. I came up with one of my biggest jokes called the dream snatcher. I was like, how come ladies, when a man's doing something that you don't understand, why you got to minimize it and make it seem like it ain't nothing? Like go to the little comedy club and tell your little jokes. Put your little tight shirt on. Grab your little Honda Accord down to the little comedy club and tell your little jokes for the little hoes. You know what I'm saying? I said, why you got to minimize my stuff? Like, why my stuff got to be little? You know? But a lot of those moments that bring me pain actually wind up being comedy gold when I step outside myself and get a chance to, like, heal from whatever I'm dealing with. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I feel the same way. Yeah. So those, I... I totally, my, my whole act is just one big, sad, depressed mess <laughs> yes. of all the hard things I've gone through that I've turned into comedy. But sometimes I come up with like, when I'm writing, sometimes I, I write a joke or I'll come up with an idea that I could never tell on stage. Cause I'm just now, like, do you, feel oh. like that's your lane? do you feel like that's your lane too? Cause I always wonder comedians who have, I call it the suicide watch comedy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I wonder like, is, do you feel like that's your voice or that's like what you're going through? Cause sometimes I have to check myself. Like if I'm going through depression, I'm not my normal self. So I'm talking about dark stuff that's not necessarily my lane. And you have moments like that because you're trying to figure that moment out while you're in it. Is that yeah. your lane? And you like the the dark, like because sometimes it's, you can make actually a whole living from that. Like being that guy on camera, like yeah. you can make a living from that. Like is that your? Is that who you authentically are, or that's who you like? It, it just for you, you know, comics. We can be kind of cynical when you like the. Oh, your relationship sucks. Oh, you're not gonna make it. Your relationship is terrible. What are you doing? <laughs> she doesn't love you. She love you for right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, is yeah. that your lane, or that's what you think you're? Are are you becoming that, or is it just a moment where you're trying to find your voice? Yeah, that's a good. That's a good distinction. Uh, you know, is this authentically where I'm at? Yeah, for me, I think it personally, it's just like that's. It's been a such. These things have been like a divorce. Uh, I have a gotcha. stomach disease. Mm-hmm. I grew up at my, my dad's a Baptist preacher and I have a lot of fun. You know? <laughs> that's all you had to say. You know, so <laughs> like, forget so, the divorce. <laughs> as a pastor, you've seen too much. Yeah. So I just, I use that, all the negative stuff, some of the came off negative to, and I turn it into to fun. 
-hmm. but um but i don't really bring like the language into it I, I do keep it clean but sometimes off you know when i'm walking around something will come to mind i go oh that'd be that'd probably work on stage but i don't think with who i am it really like would fit on into my act because it feels like it's too dirty mm -hmm. or it just doesn't it would sound weird coming out of my mouth even mm -hmm. though my brain came up with it it just doesn't fit what who i am on stage and, and who i am yeah and i feel like sometimes comedians have to like see who you are as a whole a lot of times like we're in our body so we don't see how we are but like you're a likable charming guy so when a woman sees you like women gonna look at you like oh he's a handsome guy and then when you start doing dark stuff they're like wait he's this guy's he got, messed up something wrong yeah he got checked yeah he, he needs some therapy you know what i'm saying so you have to be mindful i won't say i hate the word brand but be mindful of what you give off because sometimes it doesn't always translate because I've had I've, like this is a rule in comedy. Like if you're ugly, you can talk about everybody. When you're ugly or you're <laughs> fat in comedy, you can talk about everybody. And it's okay. <laughs> but if you're a good looking person, you can't call somebody ugly or you can't. Mm. It's an unspoken comedy rule. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if you look a certain way, it doesn't always translate. It's like you know somebody with a suit on doing jokes about being broke. It doesn't translate. So mm -hmm. you have to be mindful of of that. You know. And, and also ask yourself, is what I'm doing sustainable? Because the goal is to be sustainable in this career and make money. So I want people, for me personally, I want people to feel good, even about my own junk, you know? Yeah. And I know it will affect my money if I'm talking about sad things all the time because I try to give off light and I try to unpack all my junk. And I go to therapy in my personal life to literally be a student of life so I can be good at this comedy thing. Sure. Yeah, and you, you certainly can't can't punch down, right? And you got to be cautious of that. You, if if anything, you got to be the, you got to be the butt end of your jokes. Uh, and and I, you know, I I do some 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 language. When I first started, it was my crutch, right? Because I just needed something. I needed to get some response out of the crowd, and that was my way of doing that. Uh, especially showing up clean cut and then being really dirty. So that kind of flipped it right away. Oh, it on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but now 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 uh, we had a guy Scott Dickers who's the founder founding editor of the Onion. He was one of our, our early guests, and uh, he talks about these funny filters. And he says uh, with shock, which is what you know dirty comedy is, use it sparingly. And so that's resonated with me. And how can I how can I go you know five minutes into my set clean cut and then really build up that moment where I can twist it and turn it and be like, oh this guy's this guy's kind of dark. So. Uh, that's what I'm working on. I don't know, Ron, it's still early. I'm, you know, year and a half in, maybe that's not the direction oh, I take wow. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's the way I, it, it seems. I enjoy it now. Kind of being the cynical dad and husband is, is something I enjoy. Uh, so yeah, we'll see if that, if that continues to be who I show up on, on stage as. Right. What about you, Drew? How long have you been in the game? Uh, just, just a little over two years now, I guess at this point. So we're both, hey, outside, we're man, both awesome. brand new. We're both babies yeah. and stuff, but, uh, Houston's been good to us that, you know, and before all this, uh, pandemic, you know, we were able to get a lot of mics in a lot of time, great community, a lot mm -hmm. of, um, a lot of traveling comics coming through that are willing yeah. to, to kind of chat and share. And, yeah. um, it's been super beneficial for us. So the solution for both of you guys, man, is what I've learned, especially if I'm talking about something dark, like, cause even when I do churches, I talk about church people. But what what you have to do is once you give them the backstory and they understand your wife, you notice like all the TV shows you like and there's a villain. We always fall in love with the villain because once you find out the backstory, you're like, oh, OK, this makes yeah. sense why the Joker is, you know, what he is. So, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like once you find out the why. So up top in your set, you're like, look, man, I'm jacked up. I've been through a lot. Fresh off a of divorce. Once you say that, you kind of get permission to go the direction you want. But if you don't ever address it and you mm. just start saying this harsh mean stuff that's dark people like think you're a dick you know what i'm saying yeah. so oh yeah. uh, if i'm again if i'm talking about church people like <laughs> i'll be like yo I, I was raised in church man i grew up around people who would like tell me i need to go to church and make sure i wear a suit and then you know i get cursed out because i got jeans with coals in them. and i'm like you're not supposed to dress like that when you go see jesus and i'm like well you just drinking on the way to work like what are you <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you cursed me out on the way home so once you say you're a part of it or you state you're crazy or why you're crazy, then you can go whatever direction you want because you set them up to, this is who I am, you know? So just make sure, that's one, one thing I've learned. I'm gonna tell you what you need to do, but that's one thing I've learned in comedy. Once you either like include yourself as a part of the thing or s let people know what to expect up top, then you can go whatever direction you want and they'll tell you how far the line is once you're in that space, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They, they, it's always this sort of how tight can I make it up in the beginning to get, get to that laugh really quickly. 
and and come out with who I am, at least mm -hmm. in a in a mic, especially in showcases and mics, the stuff that we do now, right? Yeah. Uh, just to make sure that that you, you know they're they're on, they're on board with you, that they know that that you're uh, that and get that permission, like you mentioned, uh, to explore other ideas and areas through that. Yeah. So. Yeah, my only question is like, again, will it affect your money? Like, if you're doing a showcase and you're talking about all dark stuff, like, does that affect your money? Like, again, sometimes comedians. I like watching comedians who like push the envelope and say the most reckless stuff ever. Like I personally like that, but I'm like, does it affect your money? If you did this in front of executives who are trying to book you for a TV show, would that same thing work? You know what I'm saying? If you have a crowd full of women, which comedy is like 80% women anyway, would that thing work? Even though as a comics comic, you're like, oh, that's brilliant. But you know what I'm saying? The goal is to be able to go on the road and sustain yourself and make a living from it. So if that stuff isn't, um, uh, working, then what do you do? Like, what's the point? Are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it to grow your comedy? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, and it kind of goes back to what you talked about earlier. Like, if you if you had some, you know, some filthier material from maybe the early days on mm -hmm. social media, Nickelodeon saw that, well, then now that door's shut. You're no longer the perfect character for that show. Yeah. Uh, and so you've got to be mindful of that, not just on stage, but also how are you putting yourself out there on the internet? Uh, maybe it's worth a backtrack to go clean up some of that, especially if you're getting right. if you're level, leveling up and maybe thinking about making the jump to to bigger markets or something like that. Then that's a good time to go clean up some of that nonsense from the early days, maybe. Right. Yeah. I just think the goal is to be as authentic to yourself as possible. Like, think about who you want to be seen in the future. And if you had kids, what when they saw your set, what would they think of you? So, again, whatever you direction you go, just think about sustainability and what is your legacy in comedy? What, what do you want to be known for? Because we all have dark moments and, you know, is that your lane and that you want to stay dark? And what kind of audience will follow dark comedy? Or, you know, people right now just want to feel good. They just want to laugh and get out the house and get a break from their kids, whatever. So <laughs> do you provide that? Our job is to fix the world, not fix the world, but analyze the world and remind people that life ain't that bad. Absolutely. So before we get into breaking down uh, the clip that we're going to look at later, there's a few things we like just to like open-ended big questions just to start, uh, you know, just very generally speaking, take it any way you want. Mm. How does Ranji write comedy? Mm. So uh, I actually had this gift when I was a kid. I always saw in pictures, man. Like I used to be really good at drawing. I got awards for drawing when I was a kid. So I personally always see things in pictures. So, my comedy is me having a moment in my life and bringing it to life in an animated thing because I can't curse. I have to be very careful with my words. So it's either using the perfect wording or the perfect act out to get the reaction that I want. Like example, when I mention, I'll take a premise. Like the premise will be something based in rooted in something that really happened in my life, like whatever the premise is. And I'll take that and exaggerate it because comedy is always like one part of it has to be exaggerated. Example, uh, my first heartbreak. And I was like, man, breakups suck. Like anybody ever had a breakup to change your life? Like, and fellas, like, this is how you know you really been in love. You ever cry so hard? You have tears under your neck? I ain't talking <laughs> about the regular. <laughs> and you can catch <laughs> Don't leave me. Don't. And I would like to be as extra as possible. That's just my personal brand. So I start with the premise and I write on stage. I, I don't write out my set. I'll, if I do write anything out, it'll be bullet points. Because I never want to like be stuck to words because mm -hmm. a lot of my funny to me is discovered on stage. And sometimes the stuff that's not written is the stuff that people fall in love with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was like, man, you ever cry so hard you see yourself crying in the mirror and <laughs> you cry extra hard looking at you cry because you've never seen you cry before. Like that's a real moment. And I just embellished it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And the act out of you ever cry so hard you see yourself crying in the mirror and you can't believe you crying like that and you cry extra hard looking at you cry because you never seen you cry like that before and i won't say like <laughs> ah! and i see myself and start crying because I see, you know what i'm saying so that's yeah. how i am i bring stuff to life and i always see it in my head so sometimes i don't know something's funny before i even perform it because if i make myself laugh because i see the visual in my head i'm like oh that's stupid that's so funny like yo we're going for that um that is i had go ahead Oh, I was gonna say that is that is one of the more unique answers we've had. That you start with visual, and it's so smart because everybody talks about the more visual you can be, the the more relatable it can be to your audience. So if you start with a picture, uh, another comic, a local to Houston, Rich Williams, uh, mm -hmm. 
he talked about uh, the the Cipher Sound show the, where they where they have the they act out people's bits. They yeah, I was on that show. It was, um, I forgot the name of it. Yeah, but I was on the show. But so oh. so if you if you if you run your bits through something like that, or you make like a storyboard, that is a really unique and interesting way to get to some really cool material. Yeah. And I've always, again, like if I see it in my head, I can make it come to life. Like example, when we had the George Floyd uh, protest in LA, I had a chance to go to like four different protests with my lady, right? And so we went to an all black one, which they said on the flyer, we want all black people, like no white people invited. It was freaking <laughs> hilarious. And all black people had on all black, you know, cause a lot of the protests got gentrified, which is freaking hilarious. And so <laughs> it was all black people and the, the protest uh, chants were passionate. And it was like, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And you can just smell the struggle and the shea butter in the air. Like you can just tell, like it was just some beautiful black people. It was like a, a scene from uh, the Black Panther. Like it was just straight Wakanda, right? And then I went to uh, downtown, sorry, Hollywood for a protest. And it was like an all white Black Lives Matter march. And we was walking back to our car and me and my lady, we took a wrong turn because the police showed up. And uh, I feel like black people, we have the spider senses. Like when your spider <laughs> senses start tingling, it's time to go home. You're like, oh, police here. I, I don't feel right. Let me go home. Like white people, y'all don't feel that because y'all don't have the same, you know, fear that we have. And we're on our way walking back to the car <laughs> and we turn a curve. We wind up being in the front of a protest on accident, like literally an entire like, like a Pepsi commercial, like a bunch of white people coming toward us, <laughs> Pepsi's and like uh, the, the bullhorn. <laughs> and I was like, I felt like the white people wanted us to be their leader, like on accident. Like, I and the guy gave me the bullhorn. He's like, "What do we want?" And I looked at my wife like, "To go home." And he's like, "What do we want?" I was like, "Now." And I was laughing because I was like, "Yo, protesting white people is different because." They, their passion is different because they don't have the same struggle. Like you can feel the passion of the black people. We go to the white protest, the chants don't sound the same. The white lady was like, black lives, they matter here. Come on, guys. Black lives, they matter here. One more game. Another white girl yelled out, she's like, black lives matter. Like, like, T-ball game, what is happening? You know? And this is, some of that really came from that moment because it's just, when, I, when they start chanting, black lives matter, like I just thought, I was like, bro, like, I feel like I'm at a T-ball game and I embellished it. So when I do it on stage now, people are like, yo, that's hilarious. And <laughs> it all came from some form of truth. But in my head, I saw the visual of <laughs> some, like, some Ned Flanders, like, white, white, flatter, doing like this. <laughs> you know, so uh, that's how I see comedy, man. So that's that's, that's a really really unique take and he he sounds like rewrite that's all written are you writing are you working bits out right now on our show oh um, it's kind of written but again like i yeah. just i had so the funny part is like because the world changes every day i had 20 minutes of protest uh material but now i can't do it because yeah it's not a thing right now you know what i'm saying but that's one of the things that came out of me experiencing real life and i always suggest comedians too man if you're a young comic trying to figure out what do you talk about go live man Go, go out and live. Go, like you said, marry, get you married, you know, find love, get to find divorce. your habits. Get get divorce. Divorce. Oh, great material in divorce. Come on, man. <laughs> Breakups. Oh, man. Suicide watch. That was comedy. Yeah, um, yeah man. But you got to go live. And again, the, all these life experiences create a different vantage point for comedy and comedy. That's is not necessarily about being funny. It's about your point of view. What did you learn about yourself or a person? by going through a divorce, like that nuance, because so many people have gone through that, or at least the heartbreak of it. Like, there's so many nuances in that. Like, how did you know it was over? Or when did you know they ch checked out? You know what I'm saying? What did you do? Like, you know, I, I, I'm writing a joke now. I haven't flushed it out yet, but I feel like when men go through breakups, like women, they bounce back fast. Like the same day they get cheated on, they in the gym with with uh, a phone to my, <laughs> revenge buddy, I'm back in the better. <laughs> I saved lives, God is so good. Like you got a whole calf muscle. Fresh off the breakup, you didn't work out their whole relationship. And I feel like men, we don't have uh, a support system. Like we go through what I call the revenge tour. And that's the theme of the joke. Like men go on a revenge tour and we're trying to find ourselves. And, you know, you go through a weird phase. You like you don't want to be by yourself and then you don't want to be around people. You're like, I'm not sitting around this house. I'm about to go out and meet somebody. You go to the club. You're like, I don't want to be here. I want to <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the whole joke, I, like, I'll find a theme and I'll keep finding all these punches under that one theme and then put it all together where it sounds like a story. Mm. I don't know if we want to get into it right now, but one thing that we're going to see when we do eventually get to your, your clip in just a minute is that 
you really sit and live in those act out moments. Like that's one of the things that, that you do really well. And I, I mean, and even just through talking, you kind of feel that you kind of go into this zone and, mm -hmm. and, you're, and you act out and you live out the joke. Yeah. And, and is that something that you, that you just, are those naturally that long just from the beginning? You just have that much stuff you're working out or is it, is it little bit by bit and it grows when it comes to like just sitting and, and creating all that act out material. That's so good. How does that come to you? Again, I'll just start with the premise and the premise will be based off truth. And if you ever see hear my set, you can tell what I'm going through in my real life. Cause I never write about something I don't care about. Like when I was new in the game, I was just trying to find funny stuff. And I was like, Oh, I think this is funny. Let me write about it. But now like I only write about stuff I care about. So, um, the, the set that you saw, uh, that we're going to talk about later is like, I'm getting married. You know, I got married. I've been married for a year. So what does that look like? And I'll, again, I'll find a premise and then I, I'll just stay in it. And for me, the journey of even doing act outs is trying to stay in a character as long as possible yeah. and then flush it out. Because sometimes when you're in a character, stuff comes out that you don't even know, like, and then in those moments, you know, that's where the brilliant comes. I feel like I have this, this this theory about it's like a good basketball player, a good basketball player. Once you learn fundamentals, you can add your sauce to it. And that's what makes you special. Like everybody's selling a steak. But what's different about your steak? What's the seasoning on your steak that makes it different? So for me, when I'm in an act out, I'll stay in the act out till it's uncomfortable. And then when I'm done with it, I'll cut all the fat and the whole joke will be bam, bam, bam. All, you know, all punches because I've stayed in the character long enough to work it out. And if you don't stay in it long enough and like literally like not be scared of silence, you can't really see where a joke can go, you know, but everybody's mm -hmm. different. Like I do act outs again because I don't curse and I have to be very specific with my words, but I love doing act outs and doing character work because that's a part of my DNA. And I think it might just be a part of being black too, just growing up around <laughs> these crazy uh, characters and environments. Does that just, make I, it, does that make it hard sometimes when you're working out new material? Does it make for some rough bombs when you're just like really out there, just exploring the space of a character and don't really know where it's going. I, that would, that terrifies me to be like that vulnerable on stage, trying something new, just going with it. That, that feels like it's going to end up in one of my all time best bombs. <laughs> uh, I don't really bomb anymore. And what I do to prevent that is I'll pad the new jokes with old jokes and I'll do jokes that I know work. And then I'll pad in that new joke. And I'm like, I'm gonna work on this part right here. Like all the stuff I know works, the first five, I know it works. But this new part, I'm gonna just stay in it. But I've been doing comedy long enough where my ear is so keen where something doesn't work, I'll find a nuance that'll give the character life and it'll allow me to keep it going. Use the nuance, keep it going. Nuance, keep it going. So I can work out the character. Like example, um, oh, I don't wanna talk about it now, but uh, the, the old black man meeting my lady. And I was like, yo, you gotta, you know, just hearing an old black man mumbling. My uncle did that in real life. He was like, I'm trying to, you want, you want, you want, you want. and I was just, once I, I know I got that laughter going, that's how you make people yeah. like literally throw up laughing. Once you're in it, so find good. ways and directions you can go where they don't expect it. Nuance, find that nuance, and then uh, hit them with the punch and get out of it. And you can call it back whenever you want to. Let's, let's work our way towards the video. So the two questions I have for you kind of generically, and maybe it's been a little while, but uh, oh. how do you, how do you prepare for a, for a set? And then what are you doing right before you get on stage? Mm. I used to have a ritual of I had to chew chewing gum. I would pray and all stuff. Now it's like, I just try to be as comfortable as possible because I usually don't sit down. I hate sitting down before I perform. It just feels weird. I have to walk around and I have to pace a little bit. And um, I don't have a, a defined ritual, but I like getting my energy up uh, before I perform because I feel like this ADD I got, <laughs> it's uh, amazing on stage, but it's terrible in real life. And I feed off that on stage because I can hear everything. I can hear. And for some reason, my, my hearing gets great when I'm on stage, you know, but the main thing is to be present because I know you mentioned about uh, you said you would bomb if you stayed in character for a long time. For me. What? Yeah, I'd be afraid. I'd be afraid of it because it just it's such a scary unknown, you know. That's but not that's, my strong suit. But that's uh that's comedy. Comedy is mastering silence, like being mm -hmm. in silence and being okay with it. Um, I feel like as a young comic, my energy was so high because I was compensating for silence. You know what I'm saying? I think how you mentioned mm -hmm. with the cursing thing, I was so high energy the whole time that it bothered me. People were like, I love your energy, but they never said I was funny. And I was like, oh, that doesn't feel good. 
Like, oh, I love your energy. But they never said I was funny. And I was like, hmm, let me write to where if I broke my leg, I would still be funny. And if I couldn't do the act outs, would my words work the same way? So I would, again, be a stickler for the visuals. Like, if you say a joke, I was like, I had a joke about living in L.A. I was like, yo, it's a lot of Mexican folks here. I'm from the South. We didn't have that. I was like, I've been living in Mexico. I mean, L.A. so long. I feel like Mexico must be empty. You know what I'm saying? And just that visual of Mexico must be empty, like that one phrase gives people a visual of, oh, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Once you see the visual in your head, that's funny. So I would really be a stickler for my words. And again, as a young comic, conquering silence, man, silence is a dope thing. I mean, they listen, but we take it as, oh, I'm not funny. No, if they silent, why are you doing a bit? Or you can hear them like groan or like make these noises. You're like, they're invested because they like, they care about what you're saying. Like people that you just met five minutes ago, now they're, you know, laughing, sad, mad, upset, just because you said words, you know? Yeah, that's the wild part about comedy. Love it. Well, do you want to go ahead and, and start getting into uh, the clip here? Sometimes we, if you want to give us some, some background uh, on this, it looks like uh, this clip where, where it was shot, when it was shot, what was going on, any any interesting story behind the creation of this, of this yeah, yeah. Uh, bit? Actually, that's one of my that's my favorite new set because um, I've been doing single jokes all my career. Now I'm like a year in. I had to uh, convert and like <laughs> start doing married jokes. And most of the married jokes I've always heard has been like, oh, I hate my wife. I hate coming home or got to go by the bar before I uh, go home. And I'm like, I don't feel like that about my wife. My wife is actually dope. Like, she's dope and she's my buddy. So how can I bring that stuff to life? And so me realizing like I was on set one day and a dude was like, yo, your wife bad, man. I'll get her pregnant tonight. And I was like, wait, I'm on set. Like, he literally said that. And I was like, wait, he, you the dude, don't, you don't even speak to me. But my wife was on set that day and he said that. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Okay, cool. And uh, I took, I met, introduced my favorite uncle to my lady and he was just, he was way too excited. I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, he was waiting. I was like, I got started getting uncomfortable. I was like, oh, this is okay. This is gonna be the rest of my life. This is it. My wife is pretty. Like, this is what it is. So, watching all this stuff come to life again, comedy is an exaggeration of the truth. So, a lot of those premises in that thing was like based off of truth, and especially the part about uh, women never marry the man they really want to be with. Yeah, I asked a lot of women, I was like. Did you like your guy when you met him? She like I did, at first like I wasn't thinking about him like he grew on me. I was like, what? And I heard so many women say that, but I realized as a man, I never dated a girl or committed to a girl who I wasn't crazy about. Like, I never met a girl. I was like, let me see if she'll grow on me, and let me let me see if she'll like. I, I, she's not cute to me, but let me see if she'll like. I never said that, and men don't say that. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, oh, I got something there, and again. Yeah. My comedy set is an exaggeration of the truth. And all this stuff was like real things that happened. So, so you've surveyed. So you've actually surveyed in your joke writing process. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I do that, man. But if you hear my set and a lot of my social media stuff, I, I'm real big on relationship stuff. And I have a lot of homegirls who ask me for relationship advice. And I'll all ask right. questions. I always ask questions. And so for you guys, like trying to find material, like, bro, asking your wife is a really good starting point. <laughs> I'm for real. Like the, nah, finding yeah. out your junk. Like my wife, man, she the stuff she say to me, I'm like, really? Because you think you're a solid guy before you get married or in a relationship? Yeah. You think you're a solid guy. I'm a great decision maker. You know what I'm saying? I handle my business. The bills is paid. I'm good. But then when a woman's in your space, you're like, I am a trash individual. I don't communicate well. I, don't communicate well. Uh, I never do anything on time. And I need to get my life together. And it's a constant battle. You know what I'm saying? So, yep. yeah, it's just that's the starting point. The starting point is your truth or <laughs> the truth of people that's in your space. Well, let me let me go ahead and uh, and roll the clip, guys. Most women don't marry the man they really wanted. They marry the man that's convenient. Oh, it's quiet in this church right now. <laughs> let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. When was the last time you heard a man say she grew on me? Because <laughs> only women say it. I'd have heard so many women say like, "Oh my God!" When I first met him, he he wasn't even my type. He was short. He was going bald. Um, he wasn't even cute at all, but eventually he grew on me. Like, that is the rudest thing to say about somebody you care about. And I know you can't laugh because you with the person that grew on you right now. I get it. That is the rudest thing to say about somebody you care about. Nobody want that on their tombstone. <laughs> he lies Larry and his family. 
who he grew on. Nobody want that. Like a wart, that's ugly. That's not... But fellas, let me tell you something. You can't ever say that about your woman. You can't mess her story up. Oh my God, cause she, in her head, y'all got a whole different story of how y'all met. Oh my God, when he met me, he swept me off my feet. He was, whatever. I asked the dude, I was like, yo, so what attracted you to your wife when you first met her? He was like, hey, honestly, player, she was the last one to leave the club. I'm like, whoa, ow, ow. <laughs> and the funny part is men, we're shallow anyway. Fellas, every dude in here, men are the most shallow creatures on the planet. Let me tell you why. Because we live for the approval of our boys. As much as you want your family and your mom to sign up on your girl, you want your boys to be like, yo, that's you? You winning. Like, that's all we want to hear. Every dude in here. I guess some of y'all settled because y'all not replying, but cool. Um, for real, like, that's a thing for us. But fellas, this is the funny part. You ever introduce your girl to your boy and your boy get extra charming out of nowhere? Like, it make everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, he extra sexy, like, this your queen right here? Man, she is gorgeous, man. I said, God's still in the blessing business. I'm trying to get me one of those. Man, I'm hands are soft. What is that, Japanese cherry blossom? Mm. Ooh, with a hint of Chanel, classy. I see what you're doing, brother. I'm trying to be where you at. Ooh, look at these toes. These toes look delicious. Hey, if I was you, I'd get her pregnant tonight. I'm like, you don't get away from my fiance? You put your shirt back on? What are you doing, you pervert? Saying, brother, let me get a hug, sis. Come on, sis, let me get a hug. Get away from my fiance. Move. But, fellas, if you want to know your girl's attractive, all you got to do is introduce her to an old black man. Old black man gonna give you receipts. With <laughs> he gonna tell you what you got in your hand. If you introduce your girl to an old black man and he start mumbling, you won. <laughs> I was like, hey, aunt, this is my fiance. He was like, that's you? Oh, you know him. You don't, I ain't never, you know, I think you won. Oh, she was like, boy, I'm like, you gonna give me some of that, you know, some of that. I see what you doing, boy. Like, yeah, boy, if that was me, I'd be like, no, no. I'm like, I don't get no bricks. I'm gonna know my thing, boy. You gonna be doing your thing, boy. Hey, nice to meet you, young lady. It's a pleasure. Yeah, you told me that about you. I'm gonna thing, boy. You doing your thing, then I'll see you later. All right, you have a good time. I see what you doing. All right, lady. I see what you doing. I'm like, I don't know what he just said, but I feel like I won. Because the worst feeling, fellas, is if <laughs> your boys don't sign up on your girl. That's going to sit with you for the rest of your life. It's going to eat you up. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> one time I introduced <laughs> my boy to this girl I was dating. Like, she was cute to me, but apparently my boy told me she wasn't cute to the rest of the world. <laughs> but he did it in such a slick way, he hit me with two cools. Because you ever have a man hit you with two cools? I was like, yo, this is my girl. He was like, cool, cool. I was like, ah! <laughs> Get to the car, get out of here. Ah, scram. Ah, the sun is out. I should have, must scram. She was like, sorry, Ron, sorry. <laughs> oh, man, I think that's what, Drew, uh, Drew, you man. said cool, cool when you met my wife, so. Cool, cool, yeah. <laughs> oh, Drew. Don't do him like that, Drew. I, 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 did, I did not. She's a doctor. He's like, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Oh, you won, fam. You won. <laughs> well, you got to hear his you know, doctor. <laughs> like a foot doctor or something? A chiropractor. Chiropractor. Okay. <laughs> that is so good. There's so much. To me, it just, that the act out work is just astounding. And I wish that, I hope that one day I could be half as good at those act outs. Um, the, I love the, uh, the, the, the friend that's so relatable. Who oh, has it? Who hasn't experienced that, that friend who's like, you kind of flirt with my girl here right in front of me. Like this is, right, he this is call a little... of duty to call a booty. Like, man, if you don't like my wife, man, what are you doing? You pervert. <laughs> I, I love really this. I love that tag with the, put your shirt back on. <laughs> put your shirt back on, man. And produce, get your shirt off in the produce section. <laughs> it's crazy. To watch that, that joke evolve too, man. Like it's, it's grown a lot since, since that moment, I feel like that was the first month of me doing it. And like yeah. I said, I'll have a theme and mm -hmm. I'll just keep adding punches on that. So all those jokes are like small jokes under a big theme, which mm -hmm. is what I normally do when I'm writing. So for this, for say for that bit, the the your guy getting all charming, mm -hmm. it starts off with a you have a couple of different act outs, a couple of different things that this guy does. And then are you working that off stage and on stage? How how do you build, how do you how are you trying out? And creating more of these things that you just get on stage and it just happens, or are you thinking about it off stage? Right on stage. I got the premise again. I was at work and the guy was like, Yo, I get her pregnant tonight. And I was like, What? 
Yeah. Now, like, oh, that's funny. Like it was in the moment I was kind of pissed, but I was like, okay, all right, she pretty. I get it. Um, <laughs> but what I'll do is I'll do that character on stage. And while they're laughing, I'll find out how many beats I can, how many laughs I can get by just staying in that character. Cause some of it might be funny. Some of it might not be funny. But as long as I know if I end it with, uh, I get her pregnant tonight. I can go any direction I want. Like, man, your girl, she bad, boy. She look good. She she smell good. I looked at them big brown eyes and got lost. You know, she got some uh, toe knuckles. Okay, and she got, <laughs> she got some nice knees. Oh, I ain't never <laughs> nice knees. God has been good to you. I hope He blessed me the same way. And just stay in it. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, stay in. whatever works. When I'm done, cut the fat. Done. How many? Ta- well, you just r- rattled off like three or four tags that weren't in there. How many do you think you have for that one bit or explored? Uh, so what I start doing now is I write open-ended jokes where I'll write a joke where if I can stay in it longer than, longer than, than the punchline, I'll just do it. Cause that's, if I feel it, cause if I'm in a good mood, I just keep going and the joke just becomes ridiculous. It'll start at one thing. Like I, I had this joke about, um, my best friend being old people, baby. Like when people have wait till late in life to have kids and the kids want to be grown. Like you ever meet a grown baby. The baby don't even act like a baby. It acts like an adult and come out with a cigarette. Like, all right, there's. I'd be in the incubator if you need some uh, if you need help over here. And can somebody cut this thing off me? Uh, and there's some milk and some matches if, whenever you're done. Like, and I did a joke about how uh, you can tell your parents' age by your field trip food as a kid. Like when I went on the field trip, I had young parents. So they would give me like fun food, like turkey, cheese, peanut butter, and jelly. But my best friend, he was the same age. He would have yams, greens. <laughs> what you doing with a Cornish hand on the field trip? Like, what are you doing? Like, he got over on the field trip. Like, what's happening? And I gave this whole list, and I would stay in the joke until like it was ridiculous. Where people like crying, like, because it like every uh food I mentioned would be a trigger for somebody. Because I would like go back to my childhood. I'm like, man, yeah, the kid had a can of sardines. Like, you got sardines on the field trip? Wait, you got a whole uh quiche? <laughs> like, who does that you got meatloaf why you got a meatloaf and like the most ridiculous stuff you know uh salisbury steak oh, who brings salisbury steak on the field trip like so sometimes if i'm in a good mood i'll write an open-ended joke and just stay in it man mm. is that so is that kind of stream of consciousness stuff then or are you, you thinking about some of these on the way to the to the you know to your set i got like i got the joke has three but I have like five I can do. And if I do the five and they laugh and I'll just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Okay. Keep layering it on. Okay. Is, cool. Is, is there something that you did in the past that just, that made you great at that sort of kind of thing? Just thinking on your feet, getting, getting into a character and, and living it and just like letting your brain, you know, putting yourself really in that character so that you can, can come up with those things. What, what do you do to get good at that? So uh, when I first started doing comedy and I had a lot of like older comics around me, I would do a joke and they'd be like, man, you left so much meat on the bone. I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, oh, you can say this. And I was like, I can do that. Like (laughs) I have permission, like just to stay in it till it's stupid. And so I would just try it. And so now, you know, as a comedian, you don't have the luxury of being just a comedian anymore. You got to be a writer. You have to be an actor. You have to be good at improv. You have to be good at voiceovers and all that stuff is a part of comedy. So I would work all those muscles like in, in acting, you know, what I learned is the, the interesting part about my set is my comp, like my dialogue in between my act outs would be very conversational to draw people in. And then once I do the act out, it'll be ridiculous. And they'd be like, oh, my God. So those layers is like acting like mm. characters have layers to it. Like you have moments where, you know, if you and I were arguing. You don't start the argument with don't play with me. You start like so you're just going to sit on this. On this interview, <laughs> a lot of me. <laughs> Like you trust me right now, you're you're just gonna sit here and lie to me. This is what we're doing. And then you go from that to screaming, like that's acting. You know what I'm saying? So I would start out, oh, this your queen. Oh, she's gorgeous, man. She's dope. Like I get up pregnant tonight. Like and then <laughs> more animated towards the end. So for me, sometimes I get a chance to flex my acting chops as well, staying in the character as long as possible. And Jerry, I want to get on stage right now. I swear. Uh, is there any mic? Is there, is there a, a noon mic going on somewhere? No. Uh, I'm going to do an online show, man. Y'all got a great following. Yeah, we do a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe that's we're about to end the season, so maybe we'll play around with some some community type stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, but let's let's go ahead and land this plane because we're getting towards the end of our time. Here's here's what's awesome. This has never happened. Uh, we our our last sort of segment is called uh, Last Laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's what do you want on your tombstone? Mm-hmm. Now, 
you told us in your in your set there. <laughs> you said he grew on me. So yeah. <laughs> oh. is that the answer, or do you is that your final answer, or do you have something else? That's so funny. He grew on me. That'd be dope. Um, no, man. I just want people to know that I legit changed the world. Like I want people to see my legacy and what I'm doing because. I love this comedy game. I'm a comedy whore. I love the art of comedy. I love punch ups. Actually, when I won my Emmy, I won my Emmy for like punching up jokes. Like I love wow. comedy. And like, so from punching up, I wrote a whole set for the CNN show. And it's like, that's my passion. But also my passion is relationships and watching people become the best version of themselves. So hmm. comedy is adding orange juice to medicine. You know, like everybody hate medicine. But if you add a little like, you determine how much orange juice you want to give the people so they can handle the medicine. So uh, my legacy would be like just changing lives, man, doing with this craft I do, you know? And so I can go in and out of being deep to being funny, but I'm learning that the more and the older I get. So it's kind of cool, but I wanted to be like, yo, he changed the world. He legit just made the world a better place. True. We don't we don't talk about comedy legacy a lot on the show, Ron. This True. is a this is a concept that I think a lot of talented comics could really benefit from that are just kind of floating out there, not really finding their place when they have the talent and maybe they just haven't thought it through to the end. What it, you know, and look at a bigger picture. And, and so that's really great advice. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier about uh, you know, you being a father, man. Like when your kids see your set, what would they say about you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, cause they know you. It's almost like being a preacher kid. You see the preacher <laughs> present this, and then at home, you like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want my comedy to be the most authentic version of myself. So that's what thing. That's why I said, if you're a student of life, your comedy should reflect who you really are. And like, the closer you are to that, um, I believe what makes you dope. Because if you look at all our greats, from George Carlin to Richard Pryor to like everybody we love in comedy, they were the most authentic version of themselves. Patrice O'Neill, like just. The most authentic version of themselves, and that's the goal. So when you work on yourself, you become a better comic. So you can't run from it. But if you want to be stuck and just be funny, that's cool. But if you want to change this world, like just watching with Patrice on, like doing a sexual harassment joke and making it funny. Ah, like, yes, bro, come on. Like it's to me, I just think it's brilliant, man. And Absolutely. So we're, we're talking about him now. He's not here, so that's what legacy is to me. Dang, yeah, that's a great point to think about. Yeah, sometimes maybe we get a little too focused on the short term and we're like, yeah, I'm going to tell this, this, you know, take the joke this way or write some, some kind of hack material that does work in a, in a room. And so you kind of just go with it. And then, but yeah, if you think about your legacy and you think about, okay, you know, what do I really want to be creating long term? Who do I want to be yeah. on stage long term? Then you might think differently about how you, which, what you put on stage, what you don't. Right, it's definitely overwhelming. Like just trying to think about what your legacy is like, like that's a yeah. long conversation. But at the same time, like you said, when you're trying to find your voice, what's sustainable? What is like in your relationship or your marriage, like what's sustainable? You gotta think about in this world we live in, what can you do that's sustainable that, you know, if you, let's just say you started out doing a character and the character's cool and it's super funny, everybody love it. Would you wanna be that character your entire career? Cause they will only love you <laughs> character and not love you. And then if you got on a TV show, they wanna see you as that character and you can't be yeah. yourself. So is it sustainable? Yeah, I mean that's like that's kind of the story of Andrew Dice Clay, right? It was like that right. was just a character, and it kind of became his entire persona. Right, and he can't do he can't not do it. You can't eat. Yeah. <laughs> but if you get hired to do a TV show, you want to get hired being yourself. So you, the faster you find yourself, the clearer you are on stage, and then like that's your brand, that's your TV show. You know, mm. am I the grumpy guy? Am I the grumpy white guy who went through a divorce? Like, am I that guy? Or I'm like the guy who like. It's trying to just figure it out. You know, I keep messing up. Every time I do things right, they fall apart. Like, is that your lane? Like, hmm. this is there's money attached to all that, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, lo I love that thought of like, who am I? What's the baseline of, of my personality, my character, what I'm doing? And if I think if we can, yeah, I'd love to be able to write more and more jokes that's, that support that and build that character of who I am. Right. Sure. I'm the cool guy who can't get a break. That's me. That's been my my comedy through line. Like you know, cool guy. But like, how, you had a breakup. Like you're the cool guy. How you get, like? Yo, it happens. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You don't look like you've been through breakups. Like yes, I have a lot. Well, listen, Ron. Con congratulations to all your success. Congratulations on the Emmy. That's that's incredible. Uh, right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Is there any anything that you have coming up, or you want to plug where people can get at you? Yeah, we go? Man. Uh, I can do it now. 
Yeah, sure, yeah. please. All right, dope, man. So please follow me uh, on Instagram, comedian Ron G. Comedian R O N G. In my bio, all my links are on there, my YouTube and everything else. But on Thursday nights, uh, I do a really dope game show called Couples Couch. Uh, would love to have you on. Um, we're basically just a dope uh, trivia game show for couples. I want to do some <laughs> sexy people. And then uh, on Sunday, I do virtual chocolate Sundays, which is a dope uh, chocolate Sunday show, the longest running, most diverse comedy show in the nation. Um, I think over 20 years now. Uh, we used to do it at the Laugh Factory. Now we do it on Zoom. It's like well over 200 people every week uh, with a DJ. Super fun. Uh, I also got a podcast myself called the Two Piece Podcast. One of my passions is uh, personal growth for men. And uh, I want men to be better. I feel like men, we chase the dream, but we don't chase the things that help us sustain the dream once we get it. And I always say that women is the cheat sheet for uh, a man's heart where you find out why men do what they do. So it's comedy and it's also, you know, some grown folk conversation as well. And uh, yeah, I appreciate y'all, man. Thank y'all for having me. And I'm flattered to even be on your show. Thank you, Ron. Dude, thank you. This is That's incredible. So good. All right. We'll let you go, Ron. Thanks for joining. And uh, next week, appreciate Drew, that. we're going to have Mr. John Reap. That's September 18th. Uh, it's noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Season finale. The season last the last season one finale. of season one. It's all season one has been awesome. We've gotten guests that I never would have thought we would have been able to uh, to get into this show. We've had some amazing conversations and uh, get to wrap up season one. John Reap next Friday. It's been a lot of fun, Drew. Uh, we'll close this thing out. Listen, uh, look forward to next week and, and wrapping up season one. This has been Breaking Down Bits. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.